0: escape. Are you ready? Are you ready to escape your mind? folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 301 uh, tonight. If you haven't checked out 300, go check it out. Maurice came back, he had a, a daring escape from Ecuador when they had some sort of unrest happening and uh, he got engaged and stuff. So go check out that episode. Also check out the one with um, One Pagan uh, Animal Pharmacology and dolphins and other mammals getting you know tripped out on psychedelics and stuff like that um and i'm trying to think what else we've done a ton of great episodes lately one on theurgy with uh uh, pd newman and uh, just tons of great stuff so go check out our recent episodes if you haven't already please subscribe to our youtube channel uh check us out on spotify we have video on there as well and uh, if you want to support mind escape the easiest way to do it is leave us a nice review or just you know watch and listen So um, tonight we have a special episode we have uh, Chris Bennett who is a cannabis historian and author back on Uh, if many of you that are listening probably remember we did part he was part of our what was Soma series which I still haven't finished I still have to do part three part one was Chris part two was Matthew Clark. Uh, and the idea of a DMT analog and then part 3 I was going to go through all the other suspects the amanitas the psilocybin's the you know peganum itself and stuff like that so we're still going to do that at some point maybe chris would even maybe I can get chris and pd back on for that or something cool like that we'll talk about that but um yeah but we have chris bennett on the show and his newest book is just called cannabis uh the Lost Sacrament of the Ancient World, and we're going to be talking about the archaeological discovery at Tal in Israel, and yeah, it's a beautiful episode. So, all right, Chris, welcome on the show. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, Michael. I'm glad to be back again.
0: Great to have you back here. Obviously a wealth of knowledge, and I don't have it here, but all your books are super, super thick. I don't even have a lot of my books unpacked from when we moved still, so... Um, But, yeah, Lieber 420, great book, uh, very thick. Um, Soma Solution 1, very good, very great uh, knowledge in there. And uh, I think what drew drew me to your research was how well you research and how deep you go, and you look at translations mixed with archaeological evidence and kind of everything in in etymology, which I think is super important as well. Uh, So I think we vibed on that level with the cannabis being – Pro- the p- probable soma solution or elixir. So, uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your new book, um, and the Telerad, uh Discovery, and we'll go from there.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, um, for decades, like since the 90s, I've been writing about uh, this linguistic theory that the Hebrew terms, uh, canna and cannabossum, identified cannabis. And this was first put forth by uh, etymologist and anthropologist Sula Bennett in 1936. Um, and, uh, um, it seemed like it was destined to be like, just always just a theory. You know what I mean? It w- wasn't provable. There's other candidates for uh, uh Sula Bennett says that when the, uh, um, Hebrew texts were translated into Greek for the Septuagint around 300 BCE, a mistake, clerical mistake was made and it was translated as calamus. And, uh, um, it's been, you know, Translated in you know many Bibles since then as calamus, but also under other names, fragrant cane, uh, and other things. And there's been no uh, clear consensus among Hebrew scholars even as to what this term cannabis means. Some have suggested ginger grass. Camp. What
0: is what do people think that means? The other word calamus.
1: Uh, calamus, well, is like they that the, 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 there's no Hebrew term, I guess, from that time period. I don't think there is a calamus. You know what that was. Was, that I know of, in, in, yeah. In, is
0: that that sounds Greek though? Is that a Greek?
1: Oh uh, well, it's a Hebrew word. It's like "kana" and "bosom." "Bosom" means fragrance, and "kana" you know can mean reed or cane or something like that, right? You know, so it's not actually necessarily even incorrect. Uh, uh, um You know, it is a fragrant cane, uh, 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 cannabis. You know, uh, um, but it is applied to other canes and reeds in the same way. Say, grass can mean grass or grass on your lawn or whatever you know and they don't think
0: there's any other based on like this term there's no other fragrant I mean obviously there's your usual suspects but
1: there's numbers of suggestions of different plants but why would they
0: include that too you know it's like
1: those are are like things used in perfumes even calamus uh, is used in perfumes and, and, and things like that you know the other other plants are uh mir and cassia uh uh, um you know so it's all all fragrant it's a fragrant ointment right um uh but based on the similarity to the term cannabis but not not necessarily the modern term uh but on the mystic term so this is like say around 200 300 common era uh cannabis was known as cannabis in the mishnah and Sula Bennett suggested this was just a derivation of uh cannabossum that you know passed down whereas other scholars are saying no this is just the mystic Uh, people using uh, the Greek term, cannabis, and it's the transliteration into the Hebrew. Uh, um, So, you know, it's remained kind of controversial, right? But when you take a look at the Assyrian names for cannabis, kanabu, it's also phonetically similar, and the way that they use it is very similar as well. Anointing oils, incenses, uh, infusions, uh, into the sacred rites, you know what I mean? It's a temple offering listed in a number of different temple sites uh, as an offering there. Uh, um, but it seemed destined to be nonetheless, even though the contextual references in the Bible, there's five of these references to Kenna and Kenna Bossum, that's who the Bennett was pointing to, even though they gave strong, clear indications of, of a psychoactive substance that became controversial in the later references, it seemed just destined to always kind of not be provable. And tell, tell a rat. And Tellarad's a really, really interesting find. Uh, um, This is an 8th century uh, uh, before the Common Era temple uh, at a a fortress site called Tellarad that was kind of a trading outpost. And in this Tellarad, there was a miniature version of the Temple of Jerusalem. And they say this because of the design of this site. Uh, um, This is the larger uh, um, fortress itself and the temples uh, in in the park. So yeah, there's
0: the... And there's the fortress, which is later, but then there's an earlier Canaanite city, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's built on top of a a Canaanite city. I think that's probably even it down below there. Uh, um, And so, you know, a Canaanite site, you know what I mean? And, you know, you got to remember when this stuff was all active, right? The Hebrews were basically practicing the Canaanite religion. They're polytheistic. And this particular temple... Uh, was known, uh, um, although it's a, a miniature version of the Temple of uh, Jerusalem with its uh, small enclosed structure, the, the the Holy of Holies. This is where these incense altars were found that contained both canon. here it is here. Now, this was an enclosed room. It's about the size of a broom closet, right? Uh, um, those, those altars are probably like one and a half feet and know two feet two two and a half feet in the front there so they're not very big at all there's two standing stones there as well and this would have all been enclosed and the altar on the left had uh, residues of frankincense in it and the altar on the right uh had residues of cannabis resins and they're saying not cannabis flowers but actual cannabis resins and actually
0: and and i don't know if this is correct because i know that there was two different phases of archaeology that happened on the site which was one in like 1960 where they didn't discuss any sort of psychoactive yeah. or entheogen compounds. Um, and then the one that happened more recently now is did, did they mix the cannabis with animal fat? Is that to get it like smoky we, or something?
1: yeah burnt on dung, animal dung. And that was not an uncommon fuel, right? Uh, back in those days, animal dung still used in some parts of the world, cow dung, cow patty, stuff like that as a cooking fuel and heating fuel. Uh, um, and so this was burnt on animal dung and the frankincense was burnt on animal fat. Um, and uh, um, uh, they feel the, the, the temperature of the dung was more suitable uh, for releasing the cannabis resins than, than, than the fatty oil uh, that was used for the frankincense, right? um now this they, they know this was a uh a, a hebrew temple there was a inscription found that said uh the house of yahweh here right you know what i mean so it's clearly a hebrew temple but also at this site were figurines of a goddess asherah and asherah is a a, 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 a typically a canaanite goddess but the hebrews also worshipped her yeah and didn't people, some of
0: the minoan and greek cultures also i think too maybe? Well, it,
1: these, these near eastern cultures like these near eastern goddesses they kind of take on their own regional flavor right and so there's kind of a lot of interrelation uh between you know you know aphrodite and ishtar and uh uh uh, 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 uh um a lot of these variations right you know uh, um they probably all go back to an earlier goddess and, and a big commonality is cannabis use in them we see cannabis use uh, in the cult of ishtar where it was used in an infused beer uh, we see uh, large offerings of Kanabu cannabis at the Temple of Inanna. Uh, um, and uh, um, the, the Hittite goddess Isherah as well, probably, who may be the prototype here because she goes uh, considerably far back in, in time. And the Hittites are Indo-European speaking peoples. And the Indo-Europeans have a particularly long history uh, with cannabis use going back, you know, 5,500 years ago at archeological sites, right? And people, if
0: you're interested, go listen to our previous episode we did with Chris. I I think I added the link down below, but we talk about Soma and then the Indo-Iranian migrations and the break off, and then you get the Rig Veda from the Northwest Indian people, and then you get the Avesta from the people that went down into Iran.
1: Absolutely, and Ishara, you know, we know specifically her 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 uh, connection is really clear. You know, there's a inscription that, that says quite explicitly, "The salve of, of Ishara is kanabu, cannabis." The salve of Ishara is Kanabu. It is said so. You know, and so it's pretty clear that this was a pretty important plant to her. Now, um, uh, um, these before this, uh, and so uh, figurines of Asherah. Were found at this site in tellerad and before even this cannabis information was known uh Tellarad was well known for its evidence of the combined worship of yahweh and asherah and there's other inscriptions uh um, um from the levant that show that uh, asherah was at one time coupled with yahweh as his wife this is the wife of god you know what i mean and a large part of uh uh, of what's taken place here and why the cannabis is lost. And this is what's revealed by the cana references as well is the suppression of this goddess, you know. And the initial references regarding Cana, Exodus 30, 23, it's used in the holy anointing oil, which is uh, burnt along with incense in the tent of the meeting, and the Lord's spoken to over the pillar of smoke. This is like the concrete version of the tent of the meeting right here before us, you know. It's a little enclosed space, but there's two altars in there, right, you know. And uh, much of the Old Testament, Kings and Chronicles, is concerned with people worshiping asherah alongside yahweh they do purges in the temple remove the asherah poles and
0: isn't uh, the one standing stone not there anymore at the museum yeah, in israel
1: standing stone there now it's unclear exactly what the so deal
0: do you, you think, know, think that, the, we're, we're this, talking but, about poly well, we're talking about a little bit of polytheism right so like yeah when they switch to monotheism and there's one god and you shouldn't take a, an, another god's name but me you know that kind of a thing yeah is that so then they start to alter yeah, this is
1: this, this site the reason that it's so well preserved like that the big problem with identifying plant matter and cannabis and things like that in the ancient world is all this stuff that composes this site was so particularly well preserved because it was not that those altars were knocked over buried and a floor put over them in a day and then they sat like that for like you know thousands of years right uh, um, is um, that redundant. what preserved
0: them? Is that what they say preserved uh, okay, the okay, cannabis now, oil?
1: Say, yeah. and this is during the time of Hezekiah, right? And so, although the initial references to cannabis, as I was saying, were positive—the anointing oil—the last references, which preserves, you know specifically refers to both frankincense and cannabis, just as at this altar site, uh, is you know, what do I care for, of your frankincense from Shiva? uh your canna from a distant land does not please me and this is in jeremiah 620 later in jeremiah in jeremiah 44 he comes this is after the fall of jerusalem by the babylons right he comes into uh, uh, jewish people in egypt and he blames them for the fall of jerusalem and, and, and their uh, other other jerusalem people uh, because they burned uh, incense to the queen of heaven Right. Um, and so th- this is was bl- blamed for why the fall, you know what I mean? Because they weren't practicing monotheism. Monotheism it was not like um, these people worshipping Asher and other gods alongside Yahweh were doing anything heretical. This was just a standard practice. That's how things right. have been for generation. Monotheism was the new thing. And monotheism, you know, there's some like was some political need for it because This all takes place as Assyria and Babylon are encroaching on the Israelites, and there's a need to solidify uh, uh, um, the people, you know, and, you know, there's no division between religion and politics back then. So it's all factioned with these different groups and cults that uh, wanting different things, you know, uh, according to their different cult cult needs Uh, um, and. What they did is they solidified worship in Jerusalem. They got rid of all the competing temples. They put a single temple in Jerusalem and single God and everybody goes here. We're all on the same page. All tithes and offerings go here. And this is a law for everybody, right? And this is the story of 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 the old testament. You know what I mean? This is what takes place. It's it's the it's the death of polytheism and the consolidation uh into monotheism. And that didn't even really take hold during the kingdom period. There was only two monotheistic kings, Hezekiah and his grandson Josiah, and they're both rampant against Asherah. Hezekiah pulls out the serpent that's in the temple because people were burning incense to it. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, so my question with that, so I was having a conversation with ChatGPT uh, about this last night and after like a bunch of like tweaking have you ever heard of king ahaz
1: i i do know of
0: king ahaz that's yeah. that that's his that's um hezekiah's dad i guess yeah um and he was supposedly i don't know I don't know, I'd have to look at the sources on this. Again, it was Chat GPT, but supposedly he was burning these inc- incenses in high places in the holies of holies, and then Hezekiah comes along, and kind of the old thing of like, uh, you know, even Akhen. this is actually a perfect parallel, Akhenaten, who practically invented monotheism, and then his yeah. son, King Tut, coming along and bringing it back out of um, out of the monotheism, back into the the, the polytheistic Pantheon, so um, kind of sa- similar thing, except opposite, right? Like, yeah.
1: well, right. His own son brought it back. <laughs> right,
0: right, 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 right.
1: Grandson uh, Josiah was the uh, was the next monotheist. This is right at the fall of uh, 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 fall of, uh, of Jerusalem. You know, so this would and, have been right around like f- was, 750,
0: yeah. 750 BC, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you got to think even even Solomon was accused of worshiping the goddess and burning incense in the high places. You know what I mean? He built the temple. And, you know, at the time of Josiah, they claimed that they were doing some renovations in the temple and they found the book of Deuteronomy. You know, nobody had ever seen it before that. And uh, um, this said all these other temples got to go. And this has led to a big purge of all these other temples and idolatry uh, um, because of the alleged discovery of, of, of the book of Deuteronomy. Scholars today believe it was just created then. And, and you know, this whole backstory was created. Uh, you know, it was like a coup by the, the, the high priests and the, and the kings and stuff. Uh, um, in, in order to instill this new monotheism, right? You know, in, in Hezekiah's reform, you know, the Deut- Deuteronomy is supposed to be written by Moses, but in Hezekiah's reform, b- before Josiah's, he pulls out the brazen serpent Moses made because the people were burning incense to it, you know? And so, throughout. So, are o- these
0: holy of holies uh, that we're talking about where there one burning incense and one burning uh cannabis is this the same holy of holies you hear about like what you're talking about like king solomon's temple the well, holy of holies in
1: Jerusalem. this is like a, a miniature version of the holy that's of what i'm saying
0: so are, so are we to then extrapolate that this was also happening exactly based yeah. on
1: the design and the fact that the house of yahweh is written there they do now uh critics Are saying, well, this is actually evidence of polytheistic practices that were suppressed. And they're right, too. But, you know, it was like pretty clear when you read Kings and Chronicles, there was all sorts of stuff going on at the main temple. That was the main concerns of Hezekiah and Josiah and the reforms, was was all the stuff taking place there. You know, they they removed stuff out of there, you know. Uh, um, And the whole temple itself um is largely it's intertwined with the garden of eden story you got the two cherubim in there you got, you know they had the serpent in there which seduced the people Hezekiah pulls out the brazen serpent and uh many scholars see eve as a, an embodiment a human embodiment of asherah her name hawa uh, uh means the uh life or something like that it has is one of, of asherah's own epithets uh, uh um, so you know, there's a big connection there between the whole Eden mythology, the suppression of the forbidden trees and, and, and all that type of stuff. Also, though, the weaving of, of clothes, the the women and the Quedishim, the, the male cult prostitutes. They wore, they wove right inside the temple, wove cloth for Asherah, and Tel R'ad's not the only archaeological find uh, of cannabis in the Levant. They found uh, evidence in a temp, uh, in a site related to Asherah, uh, um, under the name Elat, one of her, uh, names in the region, uh, that had evidence of ritual cloth being woven out of hemp. They found hemp fibers there, and it's a ritual cloth weaving site, just as the the, like the type of place where women wove cloth for Asher for the ritual purposes. Also, there's been the discovery of a Carthaginian ship, which is an expansion of Canaanite culture uh, uh, um, from about 300 BCE, and they found hemp stocks on there, cannabis stocks on there. Uh, it might have been infused in wine. In this case, it was found with wine, amphora, and uh, evidence of wine, stuff like that. Um, and uh, in 4th century uh, Bet Shemesh, Israel, uh, uh, um, they found evidence of medical cannabis used topically and as a burnt incense at an archaeological site there for a girl who uh, died during childbirth. Um, but it was used on, you know, they found it was used on her mohite remains.
0: So one interesting point is the frankincense, too. So frankincense had to have been traded because it comes from Africa, Um so we obviously there was a lot of trading going on. There, yeah,
1: tell, I was a trading post.
0: Yeah, and there was no, there's no way that that could grow there based on what I've seen. It's just a desert, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. See, the name kind of, you know, uh, um, although Sula Bennett said, you know, she believed it had a Semitic origin. It's actually cool. the Indian. Root word for cannabis, Kana. That was like how it came into the, the Mid east on the trade caravans, and it was adapted. There may have even been a, 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 an existing word, Kana, that meant Reed, And when this similar plant arrived on the trade caravans with the same name, it just became adopted to it. I'm uh, hard to say. I mean,
0: don't those, doesn't these two <laughs> pillars, it kind of looks like the ashtrays you used to see like outside a church, too. Like, you know, like, that's it's like- got the. <laughs> got that vibe. Right. So, um, the, the frankincense on the bigger one, and, and the cannabis, cannabis on the smaller one. I'm now,
1: frankincense is Yahweh's altar and the, uh, um, smaller one is dedicated to Asherah. Um, you know, and interestingly, uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who wrote the white, Robert Graves, the poet, Robert Graves, he actually was the first person I know of to suggest that the, uh, The cult of Asherah was burning cannabis and rubbing cannabis resins on their body. And it's interesting because. He wrote a book with Raphael Patai, author of *The Hebrew Goddess*, which really kind of broke open the whole idea that uh, God once had a wife, Asherah. And this was a pretty radical idea. Even when I was writing about it, like 25 years ago, when I wrote *Sex, Drugs, Violence in the Bible*, it was a pretty radical idea. Now it's just like so completely accepted amongst biblical scholars that God once had a wife. Uh, It's surprising that it hasn't made this knowledge has not made its way into the public you know and and when you think about the you know the suppression of cannabis that's one thing but you know the suppression of God's wife and how that's affected uh, uh, the cosmology of humanity for thousands of years you know that's really fucking you know pretty nasty for women you know what I mean it, you know basically turn them into second class citizens in the eyes of the Abrahamic religions you know yeah uh, once time he had a a, a a woman by his side that was involved in all sorts of uh, of heavenly management
0: yeah i mean it's it's very interesting and I think that you know we've had so many people on the show discussing ancient entheogens and different theories and compounds and things and I mean based on your work, I've come around to thinking that obviously. You know, you can even take strong edibles now, even though we're used to stronger cannabis uh, nowadays in society, uh, that'll still put you on your butt, you know. Um, So um, in terms of seeing that back then, I could totally see that. And I mean, uh, you know, I've partaken many times and meditated and (laughs) had an amazing metaphysical-ish experience, and I could totally see that being the case. Now, people would argue, oh, it's not really, or it's not the same thing, or you know, and then you get the other theories, and um, you know, like Soma was, we've talked I mean, about this last time. a day. lot of
1: theories out there, but you know, yeah. it's like, reality is that cannabis is still used as a, as a religious sacrament. Right.
0: Well, know, especially in this school. area, right, because it's not that far from yeah. where it comes from, right, the Tibetan slash Hindu Kush area, and as, as an old world drug, though, right, because like you don't see it at all in... Yeah. Mesoamerica or ancient native american i mean they no, might have no. had hemp plants but not female well, there's no, there's
1: no yeah. really good evidence of, uh, of there's they found like some uh, hemp seeds at a viking site that's pre-columbus but right. i, I don't ever, you know i would like it if I, there was evidence of cannabis in the new world but i've i've looked extensively at it and i've even wrote about the same it
0: thing i mean up, you even see salvia come or, come up yeah. more often than cannabis in the new world so yeah.
1: Well, there's the whole thing with the mummies too. Like there's these Egyptian mummies where they claim coca and tobacco and there's uh, South American mummies where they claim evidence of cannabis. But uh, this stuff's largely disputed, you know, and if you start to get into it, then you have to go over all the reasons why it's disputed. And there's good reasons why it's disputed. So it's not really making the case, you know, do you want to write some book and then have to be explaining some radical theory about transatlantic uh, crossings uh, going back to the ancient world and shit, uh, um, you know. Right, it, it, right. You get into some rough territories. This stuff, the nice thing about cannabis is there's, you know, unlike a lot of these entheogenic theories out there, is there's like solid archaeological evidence like this, uh, uh, evidence here at Arad, Jerusalem. This is by, by, not yeah. There's part. not. I
0: mean, uh, uh, so what would, so, okay, so for mushrooms we have, to Celia and Agir, and we have Salva Pasquala depicting psilocybes. um Is what's the oldest either physical evidence or depictions of cannabis that we know of? That's like this is none. Is this it? Is this is it? rad
1: Oh no! Or Arad. Little... I'm sorry. Uh, uh, um... You know, they've got evidence of uh, uh, cannabis and funerary rites in Romania and Ukraine going back like 5,500 years. Uh, Recently, there was a find in Spain of a high priestess or a queen or something like that. Uh, um, And there was, you know, a big plate there that had wine and cannabis residues on it. So they're probably making infusion. That's 5,200 years. Yeah, I know
0: that they found some stuff in some Spanish and Greek vessels and stuff. So what about like in terms of... um, so it goes all the way back to like what you're talking about then, like 5,000. Maybe you talk about the Scythians in your book. The Scythians obviously used it.
1: You know, I'm talking about archaeological evidence of uh, uh, that's been suggested as cannabis use. Uh, the, you know, the term canna itself is Proto-Indo-European, right? You know what I mean? So even before the Indo-European language existed and split off into all the other dialects, uh, um, there was a word for cannabis, you know, and cloth wise and fiber wise and there 's evidence of uh of of rope going I think back to twenty four thousand years ago uh, Elizabeth Whalen Bar- Barber suggests there's tools that are used for decorting hemp stocks, turning it into fiber that are 28,000 years old. We have evidence of cannabis cloth from China and Taiwan, uh, uh, Taiwan and uh, cattle hyac going back 10,000, 12,000 years. And these are diverse cultures, separated, you know what I mean? So, you, you know, these are just the first pieces of oldest pieces of evidence we have. This doesn't mean when they found it or when they started using it. Right, it's right. Just no, I know. These- I was just curious
0: what the oldest, yeah. like, either visual or whatever, yeah. per, you know. That's
1: as far as I know that, you know, when you get into visual evidence, it gets trickier. You know what I mean? Because then you. Oh, gonna,
0: yeah. Let's get into that, actually. Let me pull up. Uh, let me pull something up here. We got some of the Assyrian stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've been suggesting for a long time that these images may indicate cannabis because we know that um the Assyrians use cannabis. These, you know, come from this this particular inscription I think was made at the time of Ashurbanipal, and who himself was, you know, very knowledgeable. And in inscriptions attributed to Ashraban Appal, there's recipes for hashish. And in the inscriptions, uh uh from the time of his uh uh um Uh, Father, I'm not sure which guy's a father or son here, Esarhaddon or Esarhaddon, he he might be his son, I guess. I think he's his father, Esarhaddon's father. uh, There's inscriptions that refer specifically to cannabis being used in the sacred rites, which is likely what's depicted here, right? Uh, Now, there's numerous references to cannabis under the name of Kanabu, uh, and this is widely accepted by Assyriologists as a reference to cannabis. It's not, you know, surrounded in the controversy that cannabosim is. Uh, um, and uh, but there's no images depicting cannabis, right? And likewise with these images here, there's no written descriptions depicting what these images depict. Yes, yeah,
0: supposedly right? based on the research, I did, this these are date palm. Well, that's a theory. They're trying to, yeah, this is supposedly a ceremony, according to, as Graham Hancock would say, mainstream archaeologists. Uh, This is date palm, you know. uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the date palm's been suggested here because it comes in male and female. You know, and these these are in and around with the sacred rites, which is kind of in and around with the hero's gamut, which is the the sacred marriage of the the, the king and the queen the goddesses. You know, that were taking place all over the place. Solomon and Asherah, Ishtar and Demuz, you know, and Anna and Marduk. I guess you know, uh, um, and uh, um, so here we we have this image of this image. It's definitely you know, a date palm is a big long stalk. It's not like branches coming out the sides of it. Uh, there's these seven uh, prong flowers coming off of it, and then there's these individuals with bags and what looks like pine cones holding it over. My suggestion is this is a stylized cannabis plant. The pine cones are mm-hmm. stylized cola's, and uh, the the bags are woven from the cannabis stalks. You know, yeah, that's and, what
0: that's what and, we were talking about on on the text. And to be honest with you, so like I, I the. Everything I read, too, said it's like stylized or they made it. So why couldn't they have done that with cannabis, too? Like, does it have to look exactly like a cannabis? If it doesn't look exactly like a date palm, how could it, you know, that the logic doesn't doesn't line up there.
1: Clearly, cannabis was used in the sacred rites. You know what I mean? It's mentioned specifically. What are the items for the sacred rites? The items for the sacred rites are water, honey, cannabis, and blah, blah. There's a couple of other things. Uh, um, so there's a specific answer to, it, answer to it from the priest. And we also have uh, records of, you know, temple uh, 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 kept, I guess, uh, lists of what they received and, and offerings and things like that. And there's also copious amounts of cannabis delivered both to the temple of Anana and to the temple of Marduk. Uh, Um So it's clearly used in that context. These images, we see these images Pre- pre- prevalently in the imagery of both Ashurbanipal and Esarhaddon's kingdoms, and both of these kings had references to cannabis, connections to cannabis, and specifically into the sacred rites, which is what's believed these things are depicted. You know, these are these called
0: people- Apkalu, which are the sa- the sages of their um, their system, and at the top there the wing disk. That's a Huromazda mazda yeah. other oh,
1: where we also have references to cannabis infused wines and the tale of Ardu Viraf and uh uh um v- Vishtaspa the uh, uh, Zoroaster's first convert you know what i mean uh, um and uh so yeah there's a big connection here a lot of uh, the 19th century a, a number of scholars were saying that this tree actually represented Haoma uh, uh, and that's what they were depicting and that fits you know what i mean it fits with with all this
0: oh definitely that's what i'm saying man i mean i think that you got your finger on the pulse of uh and we still use cannabis and it, it does you know <laughs> it look does at, deliver you know what i'm saying so it's like it's look at its
1: popularity you know what i mean that's right. something about it you know the 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 leaf itself is a symbol right now of total potential freedom cultural freedom you know all around the world man people recognize it for that you know uh, um, and, uh, you know, it, it is, it's a powerful tool. You know, I think that this is revelatory information, really. Uh, um, you know, it just hasn't kind of, I don't know, for some reason, I just can't really get past a certain, uh, the fringe line into the main. <laughs> there, no,
0: days. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, I definitely consider it psychedelic too, because there's been plenty of times where I'll get like super blown out and I'll come down and I'll be like, I need to get my shit together or I get like paranoid yep. Well, in a good way. It's not like a, Oh my God, freak out. But it's just like a, you know, kind of how you do come down from like a mushroom trip where it's like, oh, I got to reassess <laughs> everything now. <laughs> you know? <That's> true, right.
1: <laughs> and how it's introduced to the person. And, uh, um, you know, it's not like, wasn't like casual use. You know what I mean? I'm sure that it was a, you know, they, they think that the, 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 the price of the cannabis at uh, Telerad would have been, considerable you know it came in as a a rare commodity an item of trade a prepared resin you know also attention
0: or intention and reverence too i mean those are two huge things you know that have a massive massive impact
1: uh you know andrew Andrew wheel referred to cannabis as an active placebo and there's some truth to that you know what i mean because it has what to do you know really affected by your beliefs in it you know some kid sitting down to play uh, uh video games and smoking a blunt he's not having the same experience that a sadhu is, who's laid out his blanket beside the Ganges river and has some pipe chillums uh, in honor of Shiva and then sits down to his yoga kasanas. They could be smoking the same pot, the same batch of pot, but they're having two very distinct experiences because of the intention and belief behind it.
0: Well, yes, I would even apply set setting to that. I mean, when you're younger and maybe you're not, it's not so in your system, like somebody that's been smoking for 20 years or whatever now, but when you're younger and you do it in the, the wrong setting, you're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that kind of a thing. And I, it's the same way obviously with psychedelics. So set and setting matters. I just think that because of like the culture of like alcohol and the way people use alcohol, same thing with cannabis. Now it's just like a given that, um, that feeling once you do it enough, you know, I don't think you have that same reverence, even if you have the best intentions
1: yeah um i think that you can you know like i think that when you start to really understand the greater history of this plant and, and all the all that's happened with it you know and it, it that affects how it affects you i really believe that you know like that that it can re- be recloaked cloaked in the myth and magic uh, 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 of our ancestors uh the more you do know about it you know it's what called I mean? the
0: tolerance break right yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I do, I, I don't know if that's for sure it, but I don't think it's so cut and dry based on what I looked up that that's, and then the other thing is they say it's a pine cone and pine cones have, you know, healing properties and it might be that as their medicine from back, you know, stuff, I've seen stuff like that too, you know, but well, you
1: know, it's definitely a theory, you know, uh, um, but they independently, uh, British archeologist, Barbara Steen has came to the same conclusions uh, um, completely independently from me. I'd written about it prior before her, but I, I doubt she'd seen my book sex, drugs, violence in the Bible. And she has a, a, a paper on the Assyrian tree of life and draws the same conclusions.
0: And it's interesting too, because the other reliefs, so like when you show, when they cause there's opium or poppy plants and other ones on the Assyrian reliefs, it's like obvious, like, Oh, that's what that is. That's not even like, what do they call it? Like the joy plan or the plan of joy or something like that. Um, and then they have uh, uh, pomegranate and stuff that was big, you know, stuff like that. So, like, those you can kind of tell what they are. It's just weird that this one's so...
1: <laughs> Stylized. Well, they never yeah. the cannabis. The cannabis wasn't necessarily growing. In they might have
0: been getting super high and then creating this, you know.
1: But yeah, it's like likely import came as a finished product probably to them as well, right? You know, likely this stuff was coming out of China. We have the uh, Indo-European Gucci culture uh, that was in China. Uh, uh, from about uh, 2000 BCE to uh, 400 BCE when the indigenous Chinese uh, uh, chased them out, but they found really well-preserved cannabis uh, at a number of sites uh, going back 2800, 2700 uh, uh, years ago. Uh, at these sites in China. And these were Indo-European speaking people. We know they were in contact uh, with the Bactria-Margiana archaeological complex, which we discussed for its evidence of uh, Soma and Heoma. And we know that they were growing cannabis and ephedra and using cannabis and ephedra ritually from these uh, 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 tombs and stuff like that. And and and, and quality cannabis, not, not cannabis grown for fiber, but cannabis that was grown for medicinal qualities, right? Uh, not medicinal, but psychoactive.
0: Right. And it these these handbags which we're talking about so you're i would be in agreement with you like cannabis canvas most people don't even know that canvas comes from the hemp plant so like this would be the ancient version of that this what this bag is now scholars say oh it's a bucket of water or something along those lines but then they're found across They're found across the world, oddly enough, and there's been obviously people have twisted it and turned it into crazy stuff, but I think that the idea of like an entheogen or some sort of medicine or something like that definitely speaks to me as as a good possibility.
1: When you think about it as a possibility and then combined with the fact that Esarahadon, who is in images with this sacred tree, uh, uh, there's an inscription from the time of Esarahadon that says specifically, what were the items of the sacred rite? The items of the sacred right were Water, honey, cannabis, and odorous plants, or something like that. Uh, um, and so, this is right from this time. And I'm saying, like a guy like this in this image here with eagle head, I'm saying it's like a shaman with a shaman's mask on, just like Native Americans here, where they put on the eagle wings and they put on the mask, and there's elaborate shamanic ceremony. Yeah, I mean,
0: the symbolism he's got wings, he's ready to take off and get to the, the, the highest of holies. And then he's got the, you know, the cola in his hand and the, the bag in the other, you know. So,
1: so not necessarily from the Pleiadians or the Planet Series?
0: No, no, definitely. They're <laughs> the dog star or whatever, just, you know. Um, no, I, I think that there's something to that. I don't know for sure, but you can't be so certain about any of this well, ancient stuff, right? I mean, well, that's, it's all...
1: You know, admittedly, the Tree of Life stuff is a theory. Uh, um, stuff like Telarad and references to Assyrian Kanabu, where it's referred to as a sacred right. that's not a theory you know what i mean like th- these are actual textual references accepted by the vast majority of seriologists as a references to cannabis for its ritual use in assyria and you can read lots about this if, if, if you dig around enough
0: so what um what do you think then um so we think or your theory your hypothesis is that soma is um cannabis. And then we've talked about, I think when we did our episode, I, based on everything I looked at, I said, there's other weird things, though, too, like that um, there's it's like a mural, like a woven mural or something like or a, um, They found the Russian archaeologist with the two yeah. people holding the mushroom over the fire. Yeah, I don't
1: know. And it's like so tattered and it's yeah, so hard yeah, yeah. that is depicting. You know, it could have been the so, power. But, but my question
0: is, better. you know, because cannabis is... In like this area probably would have been hard to get. Do they do, uh, do they use the ritual with other stuff or do they just wait for the cannabis? Do you think, you know what I'm saying? Like, do they?
1: Well, you know, when we're talking about Soma and Heoma, we're talking about a long period of time. And there's different things, uh, substitutes and stuff did come in. My theory is basically, okay, we have the uh, uh Indo-European gushi in China from 2000 to 400 BCE using cannabis ritually as well as ephedra ritually, um, uh, evidence of uh, well-preserved female flowers, uh, um, a bouquet of cannabis on a tomb, braziers, numbers of braziers with burnt cannabis resins uh, um, in China. And the Chinese had a name for cannabis, huma. Ma, Ma's the, the standard name, Huma either means fire cannabis or barbarian cannabis. And they're referring to these Indo-Europeans that are in there, right? Uh, um, and that this name, and this isn't my theory, that the name Huma uh, became adapted. This is a, a linguist, Mandy Hassens, uh, um, and the, the 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 Fedra has the reverse name, Huma and Mahu, uh, um, because they're kind of interrelated, almost like a yin and yang relationship, right? Um, and uh, he says that the name of cannabis mistakenly got somehow placed on a Fedra because a Fedra was still used. This is all before. Uh, a lot of this archeology span was discovered, right? Uh, um, uh, um, but the name was transferred to it. Now, uh, we know that these Indo-Europeans in China were in trade with the bactria margiana archeological complex where the Russian archeologist Victor Sarianati claimed to have found evidence that cannabis and ephedra, and in some cases, opium, was used in the preparations of Helmet, two temple sites uh, um, in the Bacteria margiana archeological complex. Now, the intermediaries between the uh, Chinese, uh, uh, the guys in China who weren't Chinese, but uh, the Indo Europeans in China, the Gushi, uh, and the Bactria Margiana archaeological complex where the temples were, were Scythians that were known also as the Haoma Varga. This means the Haoma gatherers. And they said of them that they both burnt and drank cannabis. We have numerous evidence of uh, of braziers with burnt cannabis from Scythian sites. And we also have golden goblets that showed residues of both cannabis and opium uh, um, uh, um, in drunk preparations, as well as other evidence of, of cannabis infusions at Scythian sites. Uh, um, and the Russian archaeologist involved with the goblets, Anton Gas, he said that these were vessels used for the drinking of haoma. And as I said, the, the, the Scythians in this region here were known as the Haoma Varga, the Haoma gatherers. And then we have the archaeological evidence from uh, the Bactrium argiac complex, which includes seed impressions and residues found in, in uh, uh, um, pots and things. Um, <clears throat> so I'm saying this is where it originates, then it, you know, it goes it's, it's tra- uh, uh, further transported out of there into India, becomes Soma. And when Soma disappears, you know, there's stuff written about it, Sepatatha Brahmana and other things. It seems to be that the trade wasn't getting in, was being imported. There wasn't an indigenous, you know, cannabis uh, growing in India right away. Cannabis is believed to have come in with the Aryans, the Indo-Europeans who brought the Vedic religion into India, which later became the, the, the Hindu religion. Uh, um, and uh, they refer specifically to the, the difficulties in getting the quality product, and and eventually got cut off. And there's probably like these these places are separated by a, a, a big areas. There's wars and stuff. Yeah, back I mean, there. and
0: soma's a a drink, a god, and a part of the Rig Veda, like a whole section devoted. to
1: Yeah, this. yeah, and the moon. The moon in the sky, you know what I mean, and as it waned, it was thought that was the cup of soma in the sky being waned and drunk by the gods, and then it's refilled. You know, the festivals and stuff are wound up. My my
0: only thing though with the, and I agree with you with all that. I do think it's most likely cannabis the whole time, or maybe started cannabis like we just said. But what, um, but the thing is, when you look at like Zoroastrianism, you start to get into some of these like old mosques and like the architecture like if you look it looks very dmt realmish
1: well i think you got to be careful in like you know for one thing dmt all, all these chemicals are indigenous into our bodies. no
0: no like- and i i understand and i'm sure that there's different ways to uh, yeah, you know evoke um, that but
1: there's evidence of syrian root use and stuff you know what i mean like in the islamic world uh um it's not like uh um cannabis is the only thing around
0: if you I, did an I, maoi I, I, like like a syrian rue if, you know, if
1: you did if, like hemp harmaline for instance a big part of their like their theory was on the basis that they said that there wasn't any psychoactive cannabis being used until the medieval period which is a complete crock of shit you know and it's been disproven over and over again well let me uh, ask you a,
0: has anybody ever taken either an edible or ingested cannabis and then also taken an maoi and does it do anything
1: Oh, I'm sure people have. I don't really know of.
0: of like, would sure. it intensive since it has the I effect where?
1: Why, with uh, <laughs> most or hostilities and smoke cannabis. Yeah,
0: no, I. Yeah. Uh,
1: but I uh, <laughs> got the I got the DMT in there too. I don't know how the uh, um, am interact with it? I, I I don't know of any like I don't I haven't come across.
0: Yeah, I wonder if I'm. Pharmac- I probably have to ask bad. like. Uh... Like a site like a strassman or gallimore or something i
1: don't think there's a case for syrian rue and, Ru and hailman myself you know like like i said the big part of and Harmaline, the whole I, whole basis of it was there wasn't any sort of psychoactive use of cannabis before the medieval period is what they're they're, they're claiming and that the ancient term bomb actually meant, uh you know uh, well one of the authors said syrian rue the other guy says henbane or some other plant you know they didn't even have consensus there uh, uh, between themselves you know flattering Schwartz as to what it was back in the ancient world but, that, but even that bomb which is a you know well-known uh, cannabis word did not mean cannabis now bomb did come to be applied to other plants but that was in the medieval Islamic period where that happened where it became, became uh, adjusted to hembane and I've gone over all this linguistics these complicated stuff it's, it takes forever to read it all, it all yeah just read I, his
0: books you know yeah, yeah
1: I've seen some other you know good Uh, Another good paper on this, uh, the Indo-European names for cannabis and, you know, goes into some of this controversy and stuff like that. But the majority of uh, of Indo-European scholars see these terms as references to cannabis. Uh, The idea of Syrian rue or something else is more of a newer uh, uh, idea than anything.
0: Yeah, like I said, I mean, the Soma thing does seem like cannabis looking at it. There is some weird physical description discrepancies as well as... um, As I mentioned before, um, on I think the previous episode we did this where um, I I made like a Venn diagram of all the descriptions of HOMA and SOMA. And it seems like maybe HOMA, they had to use stuff that was around. Maybe they didn't have access when they migrated or whatever, or maybe not as much. And then they had to, you know, DMT Uh, analog it or something.
1: (laughs) That's indicated, you know, when that fits with the ephedrine cannabis description. But it, it refers to a green plant and growing on the mountainside, that sort of thing. You yeah, know, it says greenish yellow.
0: gold. Yeah, I mean that that does describe
1: the mushroom references. They're largely relying on descriptions of soma as the moon. You know, it's not even, they're not even talking about the plant. In fact, uh, Wasson, he left out the whole 10th Mandala, which has got clear descriptions of Soma. He said, oh, that was written later. So it, it's after they lost the fucking, uh, identity of it. There's no evidence. That's just his idea. I mean, it makes point. sense.
0: And then you have the, like you said, the etymology, the Sioux, and the who, uh Salma, you know, meant to press. You know, you press the stocks, and it has to be mixed with animal. For you know, cannabis has to be mixed with fat to you know make it. You know,
1: you know, um, like they, they possibly like they're they're like crushing it with rocks. Well, I, I thought
0: didn't they sift it through like a sheepskin with milk or something?
1: Yeah, after they crush it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the fat though. That's the fat you need.
1: I wonder if seeded buds themselves wouldn't have enough uh, active oil, and then the, the THC. Oh, you said deco-
0: that. You oh. said that last time. You thought that it, you didn't even need to decarb it or extract oh, it because I mean, you could just the sun or yeah, yeah, aging. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: and does a great job of doing that. And this is all sun-dried cannabis. You know, uh, um, it, 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 absolutely. That's a scientific fact. It's not my opinion that that sun and uh, age both will, will decarbonize no i just it.
0: meant like you thought that that you they didn't even need to do the other stuff which would make Oh, sense.
1: i think that yeah. you know fatty oil, you, you need some sort of fatty oil in there although right. people bong with just water but i'm I, I think that the seeds themselves inside seeded buds i doubt they had sense amelia would probably be enough oil itself if you're crushing it with a. when with do a you think they
0: started like- actually smoking Sm- like like Direct from what uh, apparatus to their mouth joint, yeah, whatever.
1: The, the general view is that uh, pipe smoking and things like that uh, arrived with the uh, advent of uh, tobacco smoking from the New World, and that there were no pipes or or bongs or water pipes or anything before that. Um, that's the general view uh, on the history of pipes. Now, there's a couple of anomalies there. Uh, there's the uh, this evidence of a 14th century uh, pipe bowl. From ethiopia that contained cannabis resins uh um which would be too early for you know that 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 new world influence and there's i think a, a, even earlier evidence of claims of uh, pipe bowls found in turkey but the dating is in question on that so it's far from uh uh, uh um established i think the dating on that, that the ethiopian pipes is is more established uh, um, I interviewed the archaeologist uh, Vandermer, who, who who discovered those pipes. He's also the guy who uh, did the analysis on pipes uh, from Shakespeare's property that showed uh, evidence of cannabis residues as well.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah, I was because you know you're they're burning it on the thing. They're probably hotboxing that little temple the, with the holy yeah. of holies, um, and then they're obviously ingesting it too. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, Scythians have little tents, little teepee like structures. He'd burn the brazier in there, put your head in, take a big hit, you know, come off.
0: Well, with that's that. like the argument, too. Like when people have like sent me messages or stuff like that from like episodes, we were talking about some of them, like, well, dude, like, I'm smoking right now. I smoke all the time. It's not that special, you know, but it's like, first of all, they were ingesting it. And if you only ingest something like that and it's not. You know, you don't have the tolerance built up from smoking every day, and it's a once in a while thing. And once you know you ingest it, you know your your body's going to constantly be purging that out, anyways, if it's not accustomed to it.
1: You know, even smoking it, you know, like if you've never done it before and you're introduced, and there's this powerful thing going on, even that's enough. You know, people have very powerful experiences smoking it, and in situations, say like you know the ritual use we're talking about in Tellerad, it's like sitting inside this smoky room pondering on a question they're going in there for answers right you know what i mean it's an oracle and so they're going what are we gonna do what are we gonna do you know and they're in this smoky room and eventually some ideas start popping in their head you know what i mean and it, you know people hear voices now on cannabis man if they're slightly schizophrenic you know well lot of people have anxiety thoughts and stuff like that oh yeah you
0: know? oh I sure. think
1: of uh, Julian Jayne's bicameral mind theory that come into play here too, that uh, McKenna, I think his greatest, Terrence McKenna's greatest contribution was bringing that idea into line with psychoactive substances uh, um, and how that, you know, played a role in facilitating uh, our, our our intellectual capacity, our minds, you know, and thinking and stuff. And, you know, cannabis has uh, uh, receptors in the areas of higher thinking, memory. All these places are stimulated into activity when we use cannabis.
0: Yeah, we just did an episode on the Bicameral Mind like four or five episodes ago. Yeah, good stuff. You know this idea that the ancient Greeks or Romans were just like noble cogs, you know, or something like that, is kind of crazy to think about. But then once you start to like think about it, like that actually, you know, makes
1: behaviorism it it gets depressing. (laughs) Right.
0: But then I mean, but then you read Plato's dialogues, or you know, you're like this this shits universal you know it's still transcending you know the idea of like a rhetoric which is just rampant throughout the internet right now you know like stuff like that is just it'll always be true kind of a thing you know so i don't know i don't know what to think about maybe you know the other thing i thought it was maybe some people are have the bicameral or you know something like that where maybe it's you know you could escape it or something like that so um so we're talking about cannabis and everything, and I know you're into, like, other stuff, too. What do you, you? Is there something else, like, a, a mystery? Not that, you know, we've talked about SOMA, you've talked about ancient cannabis. Is there another mystery that you'd be looking into or something that intrigues you? It doesn't have to be cannabis, but just something, like, a, a mystery that's out there that's, like, uh, very...
1: Well, alchemy, you know what I mean? I think that's yeah. a pretty interesting topic, and, you know, I, I found definite evidence of cannabis and other psychoactive uh substances in alchemy direct references in alchemical texts you know particularly in the preparations of uh, quintessences and arcanums uh which were basically tinctures you know um, and uh, um, they would cause. This is what uh, Paracelsus's laudanum, which is like an opium uh, tincture, uh, is was basically a quintessence of uh, of the poppy, you know, and uh, uh, was a way of condensing. This led to like uh, chemistry, you know what I mean? Robert Boyle, uh, uh, um, founder of uh, uh, of the Royal Society, he he wrote about, you know, uh, we got to got to find the Egyptian luxury and the and the mushroom that the French writer talked about, you know, and see how they cause dreams and visions you know he, he wrote about that so that's a mushroom reference right there <clears throat> robert Boyle's. that's an actual reference to psychoactive mu- mushrooms uh, uh, um and uh, this is all this all led to chemistry quintessences were basically uh, um it's the fifth essence and uh, they would uh, thought they were extracting the soul of the plant into uh, a, a heaven of alcohol They'd make like alcohol by uh, bearing wine, letting it separate like seven times, keeping the clear water and repeating that process until they got a fairly pure substance. And then they would put a plant in there and and then pull that out, put it in again and put it in again until it couldn't take any more. And they'd have what was called a quintessence, which was a very potent alchemical infusion used for medicine and other purposes. Uh, um, So that's absolutely, you know, that's something that's pretty fascinating, I think, a mystery. Um, I think there's you know some interesting stuff about some of the uh infusions used in uh Scottish Rites masonry in the 19th century and uh possibly something that goes back to the Templars. Uh um the Templar the you know in in in, in from from time period evidence we know that they had Arabs growing cannabis for them in Spain. And uh, they wouldn't have got Arabs unless they were growing, you know, uh, resin cannabis. Arabs didn't know about fiber cannabis. And at both the uh, French uh, Templar uh, uh, um, uh, castle and the English one, uh, when they were raided, uh, there's a a big list of the item C's and cannabis appears on both of those lists, raw cannabis. Uh, um, So they are obviously... Have some connection to to cannabis, and this is, I think, uh, maybe related to these later Masonic uh, uh, um, claims about you know secret uh, infusions used in their used in their rites. This is something I wrote about before twenty.
0: Have you ever heard about people? I think it, what was I read? I think is it on the road? I think Kerouac talks about smoking like a fresh, like fresh cannabis or something like that, and it had like a more of a psychoactive effect or something like that. I'd have to go back and look. But I was just curious if you yeah. knew anybody that because that's kinda of, not that it would be pleasant, but like what's going on yeah. there.
1: Well you don't think you could you have to dry it out, so it's never that fresh because you gotta dry it out.
0: Well no, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Um but uh I don't know, like it's I guess, you know, once it's his best, once the first time you dry it out, that day is probably his best, you know. <laughs> um, and it's losing quality I would assume after that time period. I don't think it increases the, the THC content, you know, with with age, maybe a little bit. I don't know how that all works, but I, I've never noticed anything. I've had, you know, fresh grown lots of cannabis and smoked lots of old cannabis. Live
0: and, resins.
1: Yeah, live resins
0: and stuff. <clears throat> uh, um so Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. So we've we talked about Ella red oldest. Um you're talking about newer alchemical stuff. Um do you think that there's any actual connection to anything mystical or metaphysical with cannabis? Because, like, obviously, there's all these people that built cults and religions and that are centered around this. Do you think that there's something to that? Do you think there? It's yes, just
1: I, I think it's it's okay. a gateway to the subconscious, you know. And I think uh, um, I really had this driven home when I was uh, uh, um, researching the role of cannabis and magic mirrors. And we have, uh, um, you know, uh, 16th century texts like the, the Raziel, Libra Salamanis, or the Book of Oberon, uh, where they refer specifically to cannabis in used in conjunction with uh, scrying mirrors. These are dark, opaque mirrors that they would uh, stare into, and then they begin to see a vision, much like a crystal ball, same sort of thing. And we see cannabis used for this same purpose by uh, Dr. Pascal Beverly Randolph and other 19th century uh, mirror scryers, where mirror gazing and crystal gazing again became popular. And they were clearly using it for this, you know. Um, and, um, you know, one of the big effects uh, that a lot of like big time users of cannabis, chronic users of cannabis, refer to is it a, a kind of uh, um, makes you dream less. And that's likely true. And this is oh, one of it's the reasons 100% it's
0: true topic. for me. <laughs> I uh, can hear. Yeah.
1: This is one of the reasons why it's popular with people with PTSD. They don't want to fucking dream, you know, they have nightmares. Uh, um, but there's also another alternative effect. And I've noticed this myself. I've done it. And you could try it yourself. You'll find out. Wake up about 3 or 4 in the morning, smoke a joint, and then go right back to bed. And you will have the most intense dreams you ever had, man. And this is due to a spike in melatonin. They did studies in the 80s and 90s on cannabis, and they found that daytime use of cannabis spikes melatonin like 400 uh, times regular daytime so,
0: level. So just to stop you there, the, I've— so when I wake up to go to the bathroom, sometimes like you're saying, three, four o'clock, I'll go right back to bed, and I'll I can. That's when I can induce a lucid dream. Um, but I won't dream if I just go to bed like normal time, and I just smoked or something like that. So what you're saying, I believe, is true. I'm just wondering now if it matters if you use cannabis or not. If it's just you go back to bed at that time after waking up, and
1: because. On cannabis specifically, and I woke wake up all the time and go back to bed. Well, because that's uh, part and, of
0: Vedanta uh, practice, too, is to yeah. wake yourself up constantly and, and say, am I dreaming or not? We've had our buddy on who practices that, and he's just like, you constantly wake up at these certain times and ask yourself if you're dreaming or not, like, that, until you don't know whether you're dreaming or not.
1: Well, I, I haven't practiced anything like that, but uh, I've definitely had this, and specifically with cannabis, not, and unlike anything other time when I wake up and go back to say, I wake up four times a night. Oh, I
0: believe you. Um,
1: But also the, the, uh, um, the topic of the subconscious and unconscious was first kind of come upon by people regarding cannabis. We have uh, doc, uh, one of the members of the club, the Hashishin, Dr. J.J. J. Maru. Uh, and he was interested in cannabis because he thought he, it was like a evidence of like a temporary madness and that he could understand madness. But he was also kind of interwining it with dreams. And Carl Jung, he wrote a whole book on Gerard de Nerval. Uh, A French poet that was in the hashish club that was all using cannabis for these same purposes to kind of break into the unconscious. The idea was like a way to bring the unconscious into the conscious to create genius, you know. And so there's a whole dialogue that happens in the formation period when they're talking about the subconscious and unconscious where it's all wound up with cannabis evidence and cannabis research. And I, this is the, what I based my conclusion for Libra 420 on was, was, was a lot of this material. So there's a real connection there uh, between cannabis and the, and the subconscious, you know, and I think, you know, this is why this, the relation here with magic mirrors is re- similar to this relationship with dreaming. Like who are we talking to in our dream? You know what I mean? You were in the dream. But we're being told this story and there's other characters in it you know what i mean and this is an interaction between the conscious and the unconscious mind and this is induced with cannabis and magic mirrors uh in a similar way by just staring into the blackness and uh uh, waiting for stuff to happen you know what i mean and it's like a a waking dream in a way and that's like a a a a, a connection to the subconscious and unconscious that i think is very real that uh, numbers of other uh, cultists kind of tapped into and i think a big part of it uh is reason for its use in religion you know what i mean you know what is the unconscious you don't tell me
0: bro i'm a weirdo i'll 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 take a bunch of mushrooms and just stare in the mirror. Sometimes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's always weird looking in a mirror. (laughs) Right? You know, Carl Jung, like uh, to, to Freud, it was simply repressed stuff that we kind of collected. But his student Carl Jung. He felt that too, but he said there was a deeper aspect of it, and he said that, that the the uh, collective unconscious was the instinctual force in humanity. What's that instinctual force? Like a sea elephant, wake you know can, day it's born, it can go fishing. A deer can stand up and walk around. Lots of animals are operational as soon as they're out, you know. Uh, and we have if they're mammals, we have the basic same brain patterns, all that stuff in there is in our brain too. It's all just covered up. And it's in the older areas like the pineal gland and stuff like that, which is related to instinctual function, you know? Uh, um, and what is instinct? You know, instinct is like kind of like the collective memory of the species. And so, you know, theoretically instinct is an aspect deep inside of us that, you know, has a collective memory of its existence. Well, well, that in itself,
0: just maybe we're, like you said, subconsciously aware that this is the oldest part of us, like what we are. Right. So like acknowledging like, Oh, there's this part of us that's super, super ancient is kind of a, a mystery, you know, a mystery or a, a mystical feeling in itself. Right. So, um, I wanted to ask you too, is what's the evidence? Um, did they ever find cannabis in ancient Egypt? Archaeologically? Um,
1: they found like, uh, um, like a hemp uh, fiber on a mummy before uh, um, a couple of other little things. But like, as far as like psychoactive use of of cannabis in China, mostly like the, the references, the, the Egyptian name is Shem Shem Shem, Shem tu, um is topical, you know, um, there's a couple of things where you could speculate they're indicating spiritual use, but it's far from accepted and established.
0: Well, I mean, uh, the for Egyptians, the obvious ones, the Blue Lotus, it's depicted everywhere, yeah. which, I mean, that one's not super psychoactive, but it'll do something. I mean, it'll definitely induce a state for sure. You'd
1: find like cannabis in a wine amphora in, from ancient Egypt, you know, and that kind of fits with uh, the Nepente claim, you know, that, you know. For, uh, so Asian was that
0: so did when did the greeks have cannabis or when is it known that the greeks first started using cannabis
1: i'm not sure how old the oldest reference is but they had awareness of it fairly you know going fairly far back i would think you know like Herodotus wrote wrote about it in i think the fifth century um, bce but it's not like it was just discovered then people knew what he was talking about i'm not sure what the oldest is it gets tricky with you know, Greek stuff, too, uh, um, identifying any sort of ritual use is mostly medicinal. There's other names that's known by, like Asterion, and there's, you know, references to Asterion in the garlands of the at the Temple of Hera. Is that
0: connected to the Telesterion?
1: Probably. Asterion <laughs> <right>.
0: <laughs> what do you think about that, the Eleusinia? I mean, I know you wrote a whole thing about it, but just to break it down, like, what do you think what was going on there?
1: It, it, this is the, uh, the 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 death temple there.
0: The uh, the hallucinating mysteries, yeah, in the area oh, the, yeah. oh, the, yeah. the kechion um,
1: mysteries. I really don't know. You know, I I kind of think, uh, um, you know, I thought I thought hats has had some pretty good evidence for opium use and stuff like that. I'm kind of skeptical of a lot of this uh, ergot stuff. You know, I, I I'm not convinced by it. Um, well, how did
0: yeah. they? How did they? You can't just take ergot. It's like super. Neurotoxic, so like they had to have done something to it well, if it's
1: they with that, but nobody's been able to uh, uh, um, pull it off without you know. I'm completing... surprised
0: that's what, what that's what what's his face should do. Uh, Morescu Immortality Key, he why yeah. doesn't he go there, do a documentary on how they did it and try it himself for the first time yeah, well, and let us know. You know?
1: Even often, those guys <laughs> couldn't do it, right? You know, yeah. and I have uh, when I was uh, friends with with Carl Rock and. Uh, uh, blaze staples they actually gave me rye uh, grains that had uh, been cultivated by uh, uh, Hoffman, Hoffman to make ergot for when they were riding a uh, road to Eleusis it went with uh, some museum stuff I sold off at some point you know what's um,
0: interesting but- is there's a little blurb that Terrence McKenna does you can find it on YouTube where he talks about the Eleusidian mysteries and he talks about an augum and there's four things on the list for the Kekian and one of them's water, and you would never just add water um, as an ingredient. It's like a given kind of a thing. So he's saying mushroom, and mushrooms grow everywhere. And the interesting thing is, I forget what, I was on like a Twitter or X space, I guess it's called now, and there was a woman talking about how she's from, she was from Greece. Uh, she's a Greek lady. She was saying that, oh, yeah, we know about the ancient use, and I was like, oh, what do you think about the Eleusinia Mysteries and the Kekia? And she's like, Oh um uh, so like I guess this the the same name for a single grape was the same name for a mushroom in in ancient Greece as well. I don't know if that's true but that's what she was saying. So she yeah. was saying she thought it was mushrooms too. I just thought that that was, that was it came out of nowhere so I like it could be just yeah. a weird coincidence but
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's really not an area because of the lack of really good solid cannabis information there already, right? I, I guess I just dif- haven't really delved into it that much. Most of my research has been kind of, you know, looking at cannabis stuff, and uh, um, usually I, I don't even approach something unless somebody's written some stuff about it before, so I have something to kind of like. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> was this guy over here, <laughs>
0: dude. I think you should take it on and solve it, bro. I honestly, yeah, do. there you go. No, I, I'm being serious. And th- you do good research, and I think that obviously there's been. The mortality key and all this stuff, but it's like there's no direct. You can't say like what you can at like red like oh this was burned right here yeah. where there's physical. Yeah, there might be ergot in a chalice, but were they giving it to you know a pregnant woman for convulsions or something like that? You know, like yeah, st- yeah. stuff like that. You know, like th- they're you know it's just there's so many different things like you said that just you know I love to believe it. By the way, it's not like I don't want to believe it, but that's. <gasps>
1: Yeah, exactly. Even yeah. with Christian mushroom use, it's not that I I'm against it. You know, it's just a, I think that a lot of the research just doesn't stand up to scrutiny, you know. And it's like I think we want to be credible. I think there's a real problem in the whole uh, uh entheogenic scene uh in regards to critical thinking. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's there's there's a real lack of it, you know, and people don't want to hear. Uh, these ideas that they become attached to get shot down. Or yeah, I mean, on. I did.
0: I've tried Amanita, and it, it made me, like, tired and, like, had weird dreams and stuff like that. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like, and then, like, I told... I got in a fight a
1: with... Not show, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say I got in a fight with somebody online because I was like, oh, you know, I've taken... because they were trying to argue Jesus was a mushroom, you know, the whole John Allegro, sacred mushroom the cross, and and he was arguing, like, oh, well... Uh, what did he say? This person said something like I said, oh, you know, I've done it. It doesn't. And I've done psilocybin many times, not even close to like the effects that, you know, and, and he was saying, oh, I don't have the right bloodline or like yeah. so, something like like you, it's something about my biology that was wrong about, you know, so
1: that uh Wasson tried to say too oh you know i won't work on japanese people or something like that because somebody did it. Uh, um uh, um but yeah you know i i had an entheogen shop for close to 20 years where i sold like amanita muscaria ayahuasca plants all this stuff and you know there's not very many people into amanita muscaria and the the trips are not you know it's not much of a draw
0: Watch the uh, Hamilton uh, Pharmacopoeia episode. I, it's I, excellent. No, I
1: knew that it was like this super popular thing that everybody's into. That's just like crap. It's pure crap, you know? Uh, you know, there are plants that people are really into. Everybody can get right into and stuff like that. But, but Damanita is not one of them. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not. I don't understand that at all. And I don't understand that for the Soma thing, too. And even if you did the whole Siberian Shaman with the reindeers and drinking the piss and all I mean it just the whole thing is just so not that that doesn't happen by the way but that that is the inspiration for what we're talking about is you know
1: well you know they they, and they you know the uh, the soma mushroom people they'll uh, point to this reference from the mahabharata which is like you know a couple thousand years after after the soma period you know where uh, um somebody drinks uh, piss from indra or somebody uh, i can't remember exactly what it is but it's like way 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 later and then there's the whole Uh, um, ritual drinking of urine in Tibet and uh, India already, you know what I mean? For other reasons, health reasons, bull piss, other things. It's like a long established practice, you know? It's not like these people are doing it to mimic some long lost mushroom ceremony.
0: Yeah. And and, and, I mean, and I would love, again, psilocybin is my favorite compound. Like I've done it hundreds of times. Like (laughs) It's 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 literally like cannabis and psilocybin are my two favorite psychoactive compounds. So I would love for it to be that, but I'm also not just gonna agree with something just because I love it. You know, that, that's stupid.
1: I'm in the same place. I've had very powerful experiences on mushrooms and people will take some of the stuff I've written about, you know, uh, uh Soma theory or uh, um, these mushroom Christianity stuff from stuff like by people like Jerry Brown and Allegro and shit. Uh, uh, where I go over what what I see as very big flaws in the in the in in in, in, in the thinking and putting this stuff together, and they think I don't like mushrooms. I've never done mushrooms like that a lot. You've never, well, you obviously never done mushrooms. And i was like, oh, <laughs> I've done lots of mushrooms, and I've had very powerful experiences on them. It. It's just not credible research, man. You know what I mean? It's like I think Mesoamerica. The evidence there is like clear you know it's well you like, have the
0: v the vienna codex you have all the codexes yeah, yeah. you know 14 mushroom 13 mushroom you know
1: it's pretty clear you know and as as you know as critical as i am about wasson's theory on soma you know he's, he's an important figure in the in the in the study of psychoactive substances and he did incredible research on mushrooms uh that you know has influenced the whole generation um so you know it's not like you no, know, you can't be right about everything. You know well, I mean,
0: I mean, you hit a home run with Maria Sabina, and then you start applying that lens to everything, and you get Paridolia and that's kind of you know where where it took off, in my opinion. I, again, I've read all these books. It's not like I, you know, I just reread Sacred Mushroom and the Cross to see if I missed something,
1: oh,
0: and, <laughs> and I didn't miss anything.
1: You know, no cannabis in there, like. <laughs> From the it means mushroom the greek term cannabis means good mushroom and he goes into this crazy etymology that has nothing to do with the etymology of cannabis by any other etymologist i've read lots on you know like the, the origins of the term cannabis and he's just off on like his own fucking weirdness there uh, that has nothing to do with it uh you know it's a shame because i i liked um his riddle of the dead sea scrolls and another book he did on the dead sea scrolls he was one of the few scholars that was talking about all this weird fucking sex stuff that was going on, you know, with the early Christian Gnostics and stuff. Uh um and uh um you know, it's a shame he really ruined his career with that piece of crap. It's just it's just madness.
0: Yeah, I mean again, it's it's one of those things where and look I, I I I was very hard on people (laughs) the last couple years. I just, oh, this person's stupid, this person doesn't know this, this person... And and this year I've decided I'm not... Because we all have a starting point, right? Like, I mean, I remember eight years ago before I got into all this stuff and really put time into researching and reading all these books and doing stuff. I was watching ancient aliens. I was, you know, thinking crazy things. And, you know, you, if, when, when you're just like zoning out or you're just being entertained or whatever, it's easy to say, Oh, that's interesting or "Oh, that looks right or whatever. But then to actually get at like the truth of the matter, right. Or like the nuggets of, of re- of what could have objectively happened. Um, you know, you got to start somewhere. So I, I feel like lately I've been trying not to be so hard on people or people that if I hear something, I'm like, that's stupid. Like, try not to be so because it's like those people are on their path too. you know, I don't know
1: kind Of a curmudgeon, I guess I'm just tired of hearing about a lot of crap. Somebody says, Ah, that's crap. What does that sound like to you, Chris? That sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me. Um, I just, you know, I don't want to waste my time on it, man. It's like I just, am with a lot of crap. We
0: do your thing, but- man. I mean, everybody's got their, like, I'm sure you know, and uh, you've taken, I mean, you and I have gone back and forth a lot too, of like being, I again, I don't want to be skeptical, I want to believe these things, but if you actually read you know, the archaeological record mixed with your own personal experiences with these things, and you start to put things together, it starts to become a lot more clear, like what's actually possible? What's not possible? What do we what do we know? What don't we know? You know, that kind of a thing.
1: Well, I think it's important to, you know, when to distinguish between when you're have a hypothesis or a theory, uh, and when you're talking about facts. And I really try to be clear you know, when I'm like, uh, it's just an idea, like say like the tree of life stuff, you know what I mean? And I lay it out, but it's like, I, I make it clear like this is a theory, it's not established, blah, blah, blah. Stuff like tell that's not a, That's not a theory, man. You know, it's like uh, established historical archeological evidence. Uh, um, so, you know, and there's different levels of that too, right? You know what I mean? Some stuff's in question. So you have to like, you know, be honest and be honest with yourself. It's easy to fall in the trap uh, of of you're so eager to show something that you don't leave out the the negative stuff. You know what I mean? So if something's clouded and controversial, like say- Dude,
0: the honest so- with yourself thing is the most important. If, yeah. if yeah. you're honest with you, let me tell you something. If you're honest with yourself, truly honest with yourself, brutally honest with yourself, and on top of that are aware of your own biases or the ones that you can at least identify, you can do a lot of shit where like, this illusion of what is and what isn't kind of starts to, you know, dissipate and you can see things clearly. And, um, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I, I look, I, you know, I might not agree with you on everything, whatever, that's fine. But the fact that like the way you go about it, I think is the way that most researchers should, especially if you're not an academic or went to school for it and you want to do this stuff, you got to put in the time. Like it's got to come from somewhere. Those people that are archeologists, they put in the time in school, you know, like the time has to go somewhere like anything else. You want to learn the guitar, you got to put 10,000 hours in. You want to learn everything there is to know about Soma, put the 10,000 hours in, you know, like that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And you know, like I'd say, I've learned more from critics than supporters, you know what I mean? When somebody like puts a hole and I, I can't, I don't have an answer. I've got to either come up with an answer, you know, adjust my theory or go, well, I guess that is it, it for that. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes it's disappointing. You got some idea you work on and somebody pulls the plug on it. <laughs> there it is. It's gone. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, stuff that I wrote 25 years ago. I'm not repeating all of that, you know? Uh, um, um, some ideas just
0: don't hold up. Oh, dude, I listened to some of our first episodes from like over six years ago. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. (laughs) So, yeah, I I mean, it's all about learning and growing. Like I said, I'm trying to be nicer and more open and uh, try to just listen to people more and hear their perspective and give my educated perspective when called upon kind of a thing and leave it there. I mean, that's all you can really do. So
1: Yeah, well, I try to be compassionate, but, you know, um, I guess, you know, I can can be a little kind of, I don't know maybe a little bit nasty in some of my critical reviews and stuff like that. I make fun of people a little bit and stuff like, I don't know you know uh, um but uh. Yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. I am who I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like
0: that's what I got, <laughs> dude. You, you you do you, man. If you're, as long as you're true to yourself and you're honest, like you're you're being honest with yourself. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of a curmudgeon, you know, like. But you're honest with yourself, so I mean, you can't really fault you. You're you're telling everybody, hey, this is who I am. So, you know. But listen, man, let's start to wrap it up here. I do think it would be cool to do like a what was soma part three, and maybe yeah. try try and get you and PD on at the same time and. You know, do something like that. Present different
1: well, ideas. stuff. I, I'm not convinced that, you know, it was an ayahuasca compound or anything. But, uh, you know, it's interesting stuff. and There's lots to talk about.
0: Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I the only ones we've gone over on that series, and I wanted to finish it because I did put a lot of time And Like I said, I have a Venn diagram to pull up. <laughs> I've got all sorts of stuff and different, like, you know what are they stanzas what do you call those from the rig veda you know like uh,
1: a... who, who's what living person you could really get a good interview uh on soma as a mushroom these days there's, there's, there is people talking about ephedra still uh um there's a guy who's been writing about it recently and uh not ephedra a syrian root uh still armala. Uh, um that will you find...
0: affect you right like if you take enough of that that'll have an effect
1: at least like kind of nausea and unpleasant oh, okay <laughs> It's not a good chill out. So, but
0: so just on its own, it won't create any sort of actual just like
1: like a, a psychedelic type of effect. But you'd be combined with nausea. Oh,
0: okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. So, does the DMT then would that ease that or no? You're
1: not taking. You got to take, take a lot, like say 20 grams to get oh, okay. an effect that effect. root. being Uh, Whereas you know, if you're saying uh, taking it with some mimosa, you probably use like three grams of Syrian Rue, right? Uh, um, So there's a a much larger dose if you're taking the Syrian Rue by itself. Um, There's stuff written about it. You know, uh, um, I forget that site that had a lot of trip reports on Airwood has some good. Oh, Airwood's. Yeah.
0: Dude, when the internet did, wasn't either brand new or just barely kind of going, that's what we used as, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're yeah. talking 20 years ago in high school, like how do we figure out the dosage yeah. of, you know, we wanted to try things, but we didn't want to like yeah. kill ourselves basically, you know, yeah, so.
1: We had some good stuff on Syrian Rue and maximum doses and stuff like that. And again, as well, didn't seem like it was anything that would ever be too popular to me
0: interesting interesting well like i said let's wrap it up here if anybody's interested which you should be go check out chris's books um i have the link down at the very bottom uh he's written a few books on the topic uh, uh five books what, what list them all off right now
1: uh, green gold the tree of life marijuana magic and religion which came out in 1995 uh sex drugs violence and the bible which came out in 2001 Cannabis and the Soma Solution, which came out in 2010. Lieber 420, which came out in 2018. And Cannabis, Lost Sacrament of the Agent World, which came out in 2023.
0: Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I recommend the latest one. It's kind of got, like, you know, obviously it's on uh, Telered and all that stuff, but it's also got other stuff and context in there. And just like I said, these books are thick. So if you're looking for information and not necessarily to just be wowed by mystical you know stories and things like that and you want actual research and information this is this is the way to do it so check out chris's books again i have the link at the very bottom and uh you know you're pretty active on i think on facebook right that's yeah, your probably
1: on facebook, uh, facebook or if you're cannabis on google or youtube you'll get lots of stuff
0: he's written some articles for i think cannabis culture and stuff like that yeah too, i got a blog yeah um i'm trying to think what else i think that's it um but yeah uh, uh, thank you so much again for being here and sharing your time and your research and everything and you're always welcome on the show um love these conversations some of my favorite stuff to talk about and uh yeah we're gonna wrap it up here uh i will play the trailer for our documentary which i'm trying to get push people to check it out again um it's called As Within, So Without, from UFOs to DMT. It kind of looks at the phenomenon of UFOs and DMT and the crossover between, you know, abductions and things of that nature and what's happening when we sleep and altered states and stuff like that. So it's more of a, I would say it's more of a look at the consciousness aspect of it as opposed to a physical alien and ship picking you up and that kind of a thing. So that's what we were going for. You know, if you want to check it out, I have the link down below. There's a free version on our YouTube, and then there's a commercial-free extended director's cut on our Patreon as well if you're interested in that. The best way to support Mind Escape is just to click on the link tree link down below. We've got merch store. Like I said, leave us a nice review. Whatever you want to do, there's plenty of things on there. And we have a bunch of amazing guests and episodes uh, lined up as well as in the past. So... Thank you so much again, Chris, for being here. I'm going to play the trailer for this documentary on the way out and we love everybody. Please stay safe out there and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. I don't have to believe something's here. There's no question about that. They are not just from this planet, but based on the characteristics they're most often described having that they're simply us from the future. It was um, the biggest
1: aircraft I've ever seen my entire life. It was semi-translucent, it seemed.
0: We see four orange orbs flying one after another, basically in formation. Um,
1: I think in a way, you know, you could call a UFO
0: a flying dream.
1: Out of the cornfield, that seven-foot-tall, gray, menacing, communion-looking alien or whatever you want to call it.
0: Because it can be
1: a multitude of things of deities of godlike creatures of aliens the reality that we experience on a day-to-day basis seems to be this very very thin slice of, of something far larger and far
0: more complex as within so without from ufos to dmt